Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. Welcome. This is Using the Whole Whale, a nonprofit podcast, and today we're doing nonprofit news. My name is Nick, and I'm joined today by my esteemed colleague, Emma, while George is on some much-needed vacation. Emma, how's it going? Going great. How are you, Nick? I'm doing excellent. Uh, we have a good one for the audience today. We'll be talking about some Charity Navigator updates and some other news articles to dive into. But Emma, why don't you start us off with our first story? Sure thing. So the big news with Charity Navigator is that they're unveiling a new unified charity rating system. So Charity Navigator is unveiling a new unified charity rating system. So the new system, according to their release, will, quote, bring together our legacy Charity Navigator 2.1 star system with their new Encompass rating system, which will help rate more than 200,000 nonprofits. Among other changes, all organizations will be rated on a star system, as well as have the opportunity to be rated for additional quote-unquote beacons that indicate more nuanced performance. So Charity Navigator, like other charity rating organizations, plays a vital and although sometimes criticized role in communicating nonprofit trustworthiness to the general public. So nonprofit organizations should, play, should pay close attention to how their organization is portrayed by rating organizations such as this one, as discerning donors will often use them to verify legitimacy. So Nick, what's your take on this breaking news? Yeah, this is a big one. So Charity Navigator, there's a couple others as well, but is one of the big players in the nonprofit rating uh, system worlds. They've been there for a long time. They're well-established. Uh, nonprofits really, really need to pay attention to these rating systems and any changes that they're making here. So it seems that um, in the letter of the update, um, they're going to be combining um, their legacy charity navigator system, which is used the star system with an encompass rating system. So I checked it out and it seems that, uh, everyone's kind of getting this update. Um, and there's going to be opportunities to be rated for some more nuanced, what they call beacons, um, that indicate performance across, a uh, some, some different kind of types of measurement, right? Um, so accountability, transparency, and some others. Um, but as communication professionals, we would really, really encourage your organization to stay on top of these changes. This is how donors, you communicate legitimacy to donors. Um, so many folks, whether your organization realizes it or not, may be looking at this website in particular to determine whether your organization is up to par when it comes to transparency, um, uh, stability, that sort of thing. Um, so pay attention to this, uh, make sure it's accurate when it gets rolled out. And if you're rated well, you can use that to authenticate trust on a website, you know, put that label on your donation page. The whole point of this is to instill donor trust. So it's really important for nonprofits to stay on top of this. 
Um, we also allude to in this summary that uh, sometimes these rating systems get criticized, right? Because historically, you kind of had, uh, you know, nonprofit trust on a, you know, a scale of one to one to four, and uh, it didn't necessarily portray a whole picture, right? It was very, very singularly focused on like transparency, financial transparency, which doesn't always uh, translate into program efficacy. And the other one that a lot of nonprofit professionals uh, get frustrated by is that number of percentage spent on programs versus overhead and that sort of thing. And, you know, sometimes organizations need overhead. You need good management. You need investment in good systems to grow and do your jobs well. Um, and sometimes that gets criticized for diluting that that conversation there. But anyway, I think it's an important update and one we encourage all of our listeners to continue to follow. Emma, why don't you take us into our next story? Will do. So in another story, um, a New York-based nonprofit, the Muslim Community Network, has just released new findings from surveys that they've conducted, and they have found that hate crimes have been rising against the Muslim community. So in their findings from their surveys um, of over 200 Muslims, they have found that 76% of those surveyed, so over three, uh, over three in four people who were surveyed, had witnessed a hate crime. And they've even found that 49% of those surveyed had been a victim themselves, and nearly 44% of young people between the ages of 10 and 18 who were surveyed had said that they experienced a hate crime in 2019. Thanks, Emma. Yeah, wow. Those numbers are staggering. So this is an organization that was protesting on the steps of the New York City Hall um, to raise awareness and prevent more crimes from happening. But those statistics are harrowing. 76% um, have witnessed a hate crime. Uh, half of all respondents say they've been victims. And 44%, that's nearly half of young people, teenagers between 10 and 18, so they experienced a hate crime, that's that's honestly like devastating and sad. Um, and even in New York City, which Emma, you and I both live in, it prides itself on its inclusivity and progressivism still has these really deep-seated issues, particularly um, with vulnerable and minority communities, in this case, the, the Muslim community. Um, but one of the reasons I think we like to highlight this story is because of the role that nonprofits play here. We've talked on this podcast before about amazing nonprofits documenting and studying and compiling data on Asian hate um, and uh, the, the rise in hate crimes within that community or against that community as well. Um, so just shouting out here um, to nonprofits fulfilling that role of documenting, providing these surveys, and publicizing real issues facing these communities. I think it's really, really important um, for understanding and addressing quite serious problems. These, these statistics indicate a quite serious problem. Um, so, but it's a nonprofit coming up and stepping up um, to raise awareness there, which is a Fantastic to see. All right, great. What is our next story? 
So our next story touches on um, inflation and how it's impacting communities across the United States. So this article is talking about how inflation is hitting um, Mobile, Alabama, and talking about how nonprofits are trying to meet the needs of their community in face of this inflation. So as we know, schools can be back in session soon. So parents have been struggling with inflation, especially as we know, going back to school requires a lot of, you know, lots of things you need to get, pencils, crayons, and backpacks. So to kind of combat this ongoing issue, there is an annual backpack giveaway on Saturday. Um, So families came back together to kind of come together and bring things such as backpacks and school supplies to give away to people in their community who need these supplies so they can come back to school ready. Thanks, Emma. Yeah, this is, of course, still a story we're following um, throughout the course of this year as we experience record high inflation, quite frankly. Um, And the quote here is, we're spending 10 to 15% more just on office supplies and the rentals and stuff remote also. Um, So, you know, this organization is giving back to their community, but it is more costly, not only for them, um, but also probably more costly for the community members. And it's really interesting to think about how nonprofits actually are greatly affected by the school and back to school cycle when it comes to volunteering um, and food programs, right? Uh, there are lots of different aspects of nonprofit uh, community service organizations are impacted by the school year. But Emma, just like you were saying, there's a ton of costs associated with going back to school, buying materials, supplies, backpacks, all of that. Um, so it's great to see a local nonprofit stepping up. But Um, We really, really hope that inflation is tamed um, this month moving forward. But uh, yeah, continues to be something that's front of mind for a lot of organizations. All right, great. What about our next story? So our next story talks about how billionaires like Mackenzie Scott and Jack Dorsey have been donating a lot of their money to um, a nonprofit that gives cash directly to people in need. This nonprofit is called Give Directly, and they've been handing out cash grants, no strings attached, for over a decade. And in 2020, um, Forbes is calling it the fastest growing nonprofit in the world. Yeah, this is a really interesting story. And we wanted to highlight it on the podcast today because it represents a trend. Um, And the takeaway there with this story is that Give Directly was the fastest growing nonprofit in the world in 2020. Um, they saw incredible uh, um, returns. I think a 600% increase, it said, um, in donations during that time frame, which is remarkable, quite frankly. Um, but it talks about this trend of giving cash directly to beneficiaries, which is really interesting and is not completely novel, but still, uh, still, um, not not usual in the nonprofit sector. Um, and the article talks about how it's interesting and attractive to these major philanthropic donors, the Elon Musks, the Mackenzie Scotts, um, for donating to because it's kind of a bang for your buck situation, right? You're sending cash directly to people. Um, and the article actually also talks about the uh, effective altruism movement which is kind of maximizing bang per for your bang per your buck uh, when it comes to philanthropy and direct cash transfers. Um, it's really interesting, and I think it's something we need to think about uh, 
as nonprofit communication professionals that more and more people are going to be hearing about organizations like GiveDirectly. Um, they're going to be thinking about the efficacy and efficiency of a single dollar or $10. How far can we push um, this money to do good? And that's where GiveDirectly has greatly benefited from that kind of mode of thinking when it comes to philanthropy. But on the flip side of that, GiveDirectly openly acknowledges, right, that direct cash payments don't affect systems. They don't affect um, injustices. It's not structural change. It's more short-term change and acknowledges that um, even though their programs do seem to have benefits in the short term, there's not a ton of research yet about long-term benefits of direct cash payments and transfers. So this is a whole story we can go into and spend a whole episode talking about uh, the direct cash giving model here, but uh, really interesting. I mean, we wanted to shout that out, especially with that that incredible number uh, in the growth of revenue for um, Give Directly. And it's also really cool. A lot of the money is um, uh, transferred uh, via accounts that you can access on a cell phone. Um, so for folks who don't have computers, which is most I'm assuming rural farmers in the countries in sub-Saharan Africa that give directly is implementing these programs, uh, cell phones with internet access, uh, is access to banking and finance and programs like this, which is cool and innovative. Uh, so I'm excited about this. I think it's really cool, but, uh, it, ra it raises some interesting conversations about, um, donor effectiveness and efficacy. And we'll certainly be talking about this more in the podcast, but just wanted to shout out this story. All right, that does it for our main news stories. But Emma, what about a feel-good news story? I got a feel-good news story. So a Santa Fe nonprofit um, called Being Mexicans to Prevent Gun Violence has um, started a new program where they're taking firearms and they're giving them a new life as garden tools. Yeah, I love this story. We at Whole Whale are all about... Uh, you know, repurposing something for good. How can we, how can we take some tool or piece of tech or whatever and make it for, turn it into good? Uh, and here, these nonprofits are um, turning guns into gardening tools. And one, I think that's just an amazing and cool and powerful public awareness statement. Um, the nonprofit, it looks like they've teamed up with the police departments to do some gun buyback programs and then literally reconstruct these guns into gardening tools. That's a really powerful statement from a gun violence prevention messaging standpoint. But not only that, it has a utility which will hopefully continue into the future. And we just love to see upcycling, recycling, especially when it has such a poignant social impact message as well. So this is a cool thing to see. And oh, wouldn't it be great if all the guns in America were garden tools? I don't know. I'll start that petition. Bring this, bring this to New York, right? All right, great. That does it for us on the podcast. Thank you so much, Emma, for joining us today. And we hope all of our listeners have a great rest of their week. We'll see you next week. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us.
Thanks, as always, to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 